Welcome to this podcast series, Magic and Mayhem. Magic and Mayhem is a free podcast and ebook series brought to you by the Australian Writers' Centre. If you're interested in writing for kids and teens, join us on a journey that's set to inspire and enhance your own writing skills. You'll discover the secrets to creating magnificent books for kids and teens. You can download your free ebook at magicandmayhem.com.au and it's such a great resource. Make sure you get it at magicandmayhem.com.au. My name's Valerie Koo. I'm founder of the Australian Writers' Centre. And today we're talking to Kimberly McCrate. Kimberly is a best-selling author whose debut, Reconstructing Amelia, was nominated for a number of awards and was massively popular. When I spoke to Kimberly, she had just released the first in her Outliers trilogy, The Outliers. The third and final installment in the series came out in 2018, July, and has also been super successful. Now, Kimberly started out as a lawyer, but realized that she didn't want to do that. Being able to take a leave of absence meant she could focus on trying to launch her writing career. But as you'll hear, it wasn't all plain sailing. So, Kimberly, thanks for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. Well, for readers who haven't read your book yet, your latest book, The Outliers, can you tell us what it's about? Yeah, it centers on a, um, first of all, it's in present day Boston. It's a trilogy. It's the first book in a trilogy. It centers on a uh, teenage girl named Wiley who has always struggled with anxiety, but when the book opens, she's in a particularly bad spot because she's lost her mother recently in a car accident. And further complicating matters, she's called upon by her ex-best friend, Cassie, to come help her. And so Wiley ends up following Cassie's cryptic text messages, and they lead her and Cassie's boyfriend, Jasper, into the dark woods of Maine and on the road things quickly go from bad to worse and they finally find Cassie what's waiting there for them is not at all what they expected um so the book first and foremost just really a page-turning mystery about friendship and betrayal but it also has this speculative twist um and that is about the untapped power of intuition so how did this idea for the book form what was your light bulb moment or did was it something that had been brewing over a period of time I think it really was inspired, um, I did brew over a period of time, that's definitely true, but it was initially inspired by my own experiences. I have um, always struggled with anxiety myself, and I've always felt really kind of emotionally sensitive to people, and um, my daughter is the same way, and she was from a very young age, like three or four, and I think it was looking at her and that we kind of share that connection and then I started contemplating the fact that a lot of my female friends seem the same and what if there was something more to all of this. So that was really the initial spark for it. And so um, did you always know from the start that it was going to be a trilogy? Uh, I, did, I conceived of it that way in, in three chapters, um, you know, just kind of going back to something like the hero's journey or something like like Star Wars, which again is, is an odd example because it's very high sci-fi, which is not what this is. <laughs> if you look at something like that, um, how it has three chapters of you know, kind of the, the beginning of the journey, somebody kind of starts back, and then the hero rising at the end. It always had that kind of stuff to me. But did you sort of think of the story idea first, and then think, oh, it would suit a trilogy, or did you think I'm going to write a trilogy next? What kind of story no, could? Yeah. You could fit into that. No, it was a story story first and then seeing that that story really fit into 
for three chapters. So when did you know that you wanted to be a writer and what were your steps to get you there? Um, I think it was something I always wanted to do. Um, from high school, I was not one of those children who at eight years old had written four, four books, you know, <laughs> in notebooks. Um, sometimes writers are, but that was not true for me. I didn't write my first short story until I was in high school, and I really stumped upon because I couldn't find a, um, a way to respond to an essay assignment. So instead, I wrote a short story um, and hoped that the teacher would accept it. Um, it was a tale of two cities, and I wrote a story from the perspective of a young French girl. Um, so even then, I was writing perspective of a teenager when I was a teenager. Um, so uh, that was really kind of the start of it. But I didn't have the courage to pursue it for a really long time. When I arrived at college, people were, I went to a very creative college where people had already published things when, when I arrived at college. Um, so my fellow freshmen. So that wasn't, um, I didn't pursue it in college. Um, it also just didn't seem like a really viable way to make a living. I knew I was going to have to support myself. So, I, which is true, very true. It isn't a viable or secure career path. So I pursued other things. I ended up in law school, and it wasn't I was a practicing lawyer for a few years. It occurred to me that if I didn't make a you know really drastic change, that that was just going to be my life, and it wasn't making me happy. Um, so from there, I took a leave of absence, wrote my first book. Um, the good news about having a job was I could take a leave of absence. Um, but that first book didn't get published, and I ended up giving myself a different deadline, which was a decade. And in that decade, um, I wrote um, four more um, or three more unpublished books. So I had a four, total of four unpublished books. Um, I published a couple short stories, took a bunch of classes. Um, but really, when I set to write Research of the Amelia, which was my fifth book, um, it was the first book that ended up getting published, but it was my fifth completed book. I really was thinking I was going to find a job, and it was the fact that I didn't find a job that led me hmm. to actually finish Reconstructing Amelia. So I was one of those lucky people who got lucky by not finishing, not finding a job. So in that decade, did you work as a lawyer during that time, or did you uh, concentrate on your writing? No, I only wrote the really lucky thing for me, and I think this is important for. Um, People who are trying to write now, I mean, there's lots of ways to make writing work, um, having a day job, you know, being a teacher and having summers off, like there's, there's all sorts of ways. Um, I was lucky enough that I, um, my husband was willing to support me, so that's also another way. Like <laughs> somebody who's willing to give us support financially, it was, you know, again, we went from, I'd say I earned a very income and I also had hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt um, for being a lawyer. So it was a very um, generous thing to support me. Um, we didn't have children at that point. Uh, we did end up, I did in that decade, um, we did have two children. So I took the lead in taking care of them, which, to be honest, wouldn't have been what I would ordinarily have done <laughs> to, you know, kind of take care of them and ended up, we did have child care and in later days we, we supported we got more childcare, so I would have more time to write. But in the very early days, I wrote, you know, when they were newborns, when they were napping, I got up at 4 o'clock in the morning, I fit it around that. So for me, that actually was kind of a bit of a compromise, kind of taking that role of, of leading, you know, taking care of them so that I could write. And so during that decade, you wrote four novels, which were unpublished. And did you, oh, what kept you going for a decade? Yeah, it was, I mean, there were definitely really, really 
dark times. I would say I got in that first year when I wrote, you know, I took leave of absence and wrote a book in a year and got an agent in that first year. I think that was extremely fortunate Mm -hmm. because uh, that was extremely encouraging. Um, So not only did I get an agent, but I came very close to selling that first book. And I think, as most most writers know, you can live on projections (laughs) for years, you know. So I got a lot of, she's incredibly talented, you know, can't wait to see what she does next kind of thing from editors. So... You know, who knows how much of that was slight and how much of that was actual, but um, I really held on to that. I held on to the fact that I got an agent, mm-hmm. and I thought, okay, well, I haven't, I, I haven't, you know, writing is so much a craft. I think that we all get better at it over time, the more we work at it, the more we practice, and so I think my theory was, okay, well, I, I don't, I haven't done this, really, ever, and so if I got this close on the first go-round, you know, I would hopefully get better and, and get closer next time. That was really my theory. And um, it wasn't a bad theory. I just had no idea how long the road would actually be. <laughs> so reconstructing Amy, which was a success, and it, it was a big success, uh, can you tell us about the break you got in that one? How did you f- find out that that was being published and what did you think at the time? Um, yeah, Reconstructing Amelia was, yeah, so that was the book that I started working on. Um, and, you know, my, my agent, I think at the time, again, I was deep into trying to find a job. So I was really focused on that and just kind of completing it. And she said, you know, I think, I think we might actually, you know, she kind of goes out in a very piece. I had another agent. So, so that first agent and I parted ways after um, I wrote a second book for him. He, he, didn't want to represent, and it was a really bad book. Um, so we parted ways, um, and I had another agent who represented, I guess, book three, and uh, she ended up leaving the world of agenting, and then I ended up with agent number three, who is now my agent, Marley Russo. So she um, then tried to sell my fourth book and could not. So, but when book five came around, she was like, I really yeah, I think we have something here, and she had a lot of that's long legs, et cetera, that we worked on, but she said, you know, I really think this is it. And I, I very, very skeptical <laughs> because I felt like I had you know, kind of heard her before. And she, I guess, sent it out. And again, I was still pursuing these jobs and I was actively interviewing. And actually 20, I guess 48 hours um, before Reconstructing I went to auction, I got my, um, I finally got a job offer. Um, <laughs> and so she said, yeah. And so I said, can I have 48 hours? Because I think actually my book is going to sell. But she said, you know, I think, um, you know, when you have an auction, you have, you have interest from, from multiple publishers, but you really don't know an auction, you know, as I'm sure as you know, but you, you, your agent kind of sits in a room. No one turns up, you know, <laughs> she just sits there and she receives phone calls or emails that offer mm. on the book. And it becomes an auction because there's more than one offer. So then she'll say, you know, all right, everyone give me your best offer or whatever. It's a way of kind of figuring out. You don't necessarily go with the publishing house who offers you the most money. You, you know, it's a combination of things. Um, so, anyway, she she had good, strong indications from a couple of places that they were going to make an offer, but you really don't know until that day. I mean, they can say they're going to make an offer and then not call that day. I mean, that's yeah. the reality. So, um, so it really wasn't until I had it act. We actually had, I think, one offer in hand that I feel like 
oh my god, like this is actually we have an offer. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, a, it's official because we could go with that one. <laughs> um, and it ended up being five or six publishing houses. I think it on. No, I don't remember. Um, and yeah, I went with HarperCollins. So reconstructing Amelia, I'll just correct myself there, and the second book where they found her which starts with the body of an infant found in the woods, both start quite darkly. And, and of course, Reconstructing Amelia is about a mother who goes to her child's school to find that she's, the child has jumped from the building but then gets a text saying she didn't jump. Have you always been fascinated with mystery and sort of the darker side of things or crime? Um, I think so. Um, you know, I wouldn't say, I think that I, I write books to kind of answer a question for myself. And I would say the question that started with Amelia was, I have daughters and it was kind of like, how, how are we going to make it through this? And one piece, <laughs> getting them to adulthood. Um, and so, you know, particularly, about, you know, is about cyberbullying and technology. But for me, that's really a secondary issue. That's like a plot issue. Mm-hmm. For me, the heart of it is, is, you know, how you can be so close to your daughter. The reality is that they're, they're supposed to be keeping secrets and they're trying to figure themselves out. And it's a lot more complicated than just make sure they tell you everything because they don't tell you everything and that's correct and that's part of life. Mm-hmm. Um, so... That was really what I was curious about there, and and where they found her was about really about the the weight of history and how how we go on to to deal with our own history, our history with our own parents, how we process that and go on to have children of our own. So you can see, kind of, I I don't start from a place like let me write about a crime. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the mysteries are the way I explore those really kind of emotionally layered questions. Um, but I am, for sure, kind of fascinated by, by real life crime and why really do, like domestic suspense. I don't know if that's um, a term that you guys use, but sure. um, this is why why people do things to people they love, do and don't do things, mm. um, and how they justify those things to themselves, and like the why. Um, that's that's really interesting to me. So reconstructing Amelia is being made into a movie, um, I believe, with Nicole Kidman. Uh, yeah. Did you ever think that that would happen? No, I mean, yeah, you always you always dream of of that, I guess. Um, you know, do you know, no, I've known a long time ago not to think or <laughs> expect anything in the world of writing, but um, it's obviously a a fantastic, exciting thing. So um, yep. I'm thrilled about it. I would definitely wouldn't say it was something I expected. So let's move on to the outliers. Why did you decide to write for a different age group this time? You know, I really didn't just, that was and also wasn't really a decision made. I just kind of had the book I wanted to write. And, you know, with where they found her and Reconstructing Amelia, there are adult narrators in the book. And with my very little knowledge of genres and uh, YA versus adult, we, there was a point at which kind of people, there was some wondering whether or not Reconstructing Amelia was YA. Um, people sometimes think it is. But w- my agent and I have been told that if there was an adult narrator, it's not YA. Um, now, I don't even know if that's really true, but that's <laughs> what was our, was our thinking. And my agent doesn't represent YA. Like, I'm, you know, doesn't really doesn't really do that. So that seemed like okay, reasonable enough to us. So when I went to write a book that didn't have an adult narrator, mm. <laughs> excuse me, I thought, um, okay, well then this was YA. 
sure. to me. Um, and there's also nothing in it that is on its face inappropriate, really, from even younger ages. Um, there's just, I mean, there's nothing really graphic. Mm. It's just the way the story is. That isn't something I sat down and thought, let me write, not include uh, a lot of things. So I, I check myself on the language occasionally. There are some, some bad words, but not nearly as many as there are in my adult books. Um, I just really made myself be more vigilant and being sure that those words were necessary when they were used. Um, that was the only way in which I kind of altered anything. Um, you know, I, I, it just, to me, the stories that, that are written in young adult are some of the best that are written of any kind. Um, they're, you know, compelling and layered. And um, so it's me and obviously so many adults read YAA. So, um, and in addition to that, so many teenagers read adult books. So there's a lot of fluidity there. So I, I don't, I, I did have this moment where I was like, okay, no adults, so this is YA. But that was really, I mean, again, that's, it's, it was kind of just a little bit arbitrary. But I do love that it's published into YA because I think that it gives you kind of immediate access to a teen audience in a way when you have an adult book, I think sometimes it has to find its way to teenagers um, in, a, in a less direct way. Um, mm. So I think that can be that can take longer. You said that you had mapped it out in your head, the three chapters, so to speak. So does that mean you, in, with your other books as well, that you plot out your stories before you start writing or do you at any point just see what happens? No, I don't outline anything. And when I say I mapped out the three, I mean I said to myself, book one is about this, book two is about this, book three is about that. That is the kind of mapping out. And then I wrote that piece of paper um it was not it's not very detailed um right. it's a more conceptual mapping out i do not outline anything in advance um i have i never have i wouldn't know how to do that i wish i did um there have been times that i thought i should outline this but i i just i can't um i think it would save me time i think it i think both approaches work equally well it just depends on what resonates for you and for me, I, I don't know how to sit in a room and figure out my story without writing scenes. But don't um, you so, – aren't you ever scared that, you know, it's not going to – it's not going to find its way in a good direction? Oh, well, yeah, because that happens all mm. the time. You know, I, I think it, it doesn't really find its way, not fully. Um, but I, I do think that in many – you know, so I will have – I'll have kind of gone down a, a, a path as I'm writing. I never look back as I write the first draft. I just keep going. So I can even have a day where I'm like, wow, that was the wrong direction. <laughs> like I can know at the end of the day that that was just that. That's not going to make it into the book. But in, sometimes when you go back to those places where you took a wrong turn and you even knew you were taking a wrong turn, you'll find something in there that is, ends up critical to the book. Mm. Um, so I, I find that it's a really careful balance between putting on your editorial hat and being really vigilant and, and whatever, and also just trusting this kind of unconscious part of yourself. For some reason, you went down that wrong path, and why? And you can sometimes find, not always, sometimes it all just goes in the garbage, um, but, but sometimes you'll find something in it that um, becomes a critical, answers a critical question for your book. So as a result... You know, if you do the, this method without outlining, the book you have, the draft you have at the end is a mess. Mm-hmm. You know, like that, that's the thing. You have to be able to tolerate and have a lot of faith that you can turn that kind of mess into 
something beautiful through a process of sculpting it. So for me, like the, the first draft takes three months, but the revising will take nine. Mm. It's just a, it much more of it is the revising for me. Wow. You ha- at least you have a whole book to work with. You know, you've got the whole thing there. And to me, that's, that, to me, the, the finishing is more terrifying than writing something back. <laughs> um, you know, so I think those are kind of good choices. So when you are writing, what is your typical day like? Do you have a routine and, and does it differ if you are revising? Um, yeah, and no, I write every day from 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. I write like wow. a job five days a week. Um, and then if there is, um, I often have to extend that and write. I mean, again, the same process I'm describing isn't extremely fast mm. <laughs> because you have go down wrong paths, et cetera. So it, I'm not, you know, particularly compared to a lot of YA writers, I am not fast. I, mean, I think in the scale of adult writers, I'm average. You know, there's people who write a lot faster than me. There's obviously people who write a lot slower. So, um, Despite working all those hours every day, it's just that's how long it takes me. Uh, so um, I do end up having to work on weekends and in early mornings. But I wait until that I'm really crunched up again the deadline before I do that. Um, so I've always treated it that way, even when before I sold a book and we had to pay for childcare. You know, for me to write books that were not getting sold, I always kind of treated it like a job. You go during these hours, you sit down and you write. And again, when you write by my method. Um, I just keep writing, and there's it's fine. Even if I, you know, because some days I write at my assigned time. I write to a page count, to a word count, and even if it may be bad, but I always write. Mm. I always write something. It just might. It I might just know that it's it's not really going where I want it to go. Sure. So what's next for you? What are you working on now? What are you writing now? Well, it's the second book in the trilogy, mm-hmm. um, of course, because that's due now. Uh, that comes out a year from now. Right. So it's that book, and then I'll have to write the third book. Mm. Uh, and, well, you, and I'm you've got your, you've got your life mapped out for the next couple of years, then. Yeah, so I'm a little busy, and then I'm under contract for another adult book for HarperCollins. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would be after that. And I, you know, I would really like to write a, a screenplay of some kind. So I certainly have um, enough work to keep me busy <laughs> at this point. For I sure. reckon. What's your advice, finally, to aspiring writers who hope to do what you're doing one day? Um, I would say, um, first of all, obviously, just keep writing. I do what I said at the beginning of being a craft and my own thought that if I kept doing it, I would get better, I think is 1,000% true. Um, I, you know, I still find that for myself. I feel like I'm getting better and more adapted to issues in my own work as time goes by. So just keep writing. I, I would say that if outlining works for you, great. I, I think if you have trouble with things like finishing things or writer's block, you know, I was talking to somebody at, a, at an event over the weekend. She said, what do you do, you know, if you can't finish something? And I just said, you just finish it. I mean, you have to allow yourself to write badly. Mm-hmm. I think that often people have such high standards for themselves. They, you know, compare their work to whatever they, their favorite author or, and they're like, well, that, that's terrible. Like, I, they don't even want to put it on the page when it's bad. But the reality is all these books, the published books they're reading, started out bad. <laughs> I mean, you know, everybody, the early drafts of books, bear no resemblance to the books there when they're finished. So I think it's lower your standards for yourself. <laughs> um, so you can get something finished, and then you, like, no one's going to read that. 
key. That's between you and your computer. Yeah. And just get it finished, and then you can worry about turning into something great. I would also say that people should really get great critique partners uh, or feedback groups. Yeah. Uh, and and I think that's critical. I also think it's critical to pick the right people and make sure that they're honest and um, supportive and that they need to give constructive criticism rather than just ripping your work apart. Because I think you can give good feedback is an art form um, and not everybody's good at it. Like you have to be able to support writers and being the writer they are rather than putting yourself in there and trying to, you know, either show how smart you are or change the kind of writer people are, you know. Mm. So um, I think that's, I think that's really critical. I've had great give me feedback and I've had, you know, kind of reckless feedback. So mm. I think that you, you got to make sure you get the right kind. Wonderful. And on that note, thank you so much for your time today, Kimberly. Oh, it was my pleasure. Thank you for having me. I love how Kimberly says, just finish it. You have to finish the book or the project or short story or proposal or whatever it is. If you don't finish it, you don't have anything to work with. As Kimberly said, there are lots of ways to make writing work around having a day job. Essentially, treating it like a job has been a key part of her success. If you're keen to learn strategies to carve out more writing time in your day and that accountability to just finish it, then you'll love Alison's course, Make Time to Write. That's Alison Tate's course from the Australian Writers' Centre. There's also a bonus 30-day boot camp to help you write 10,000 words in just one month. Online and self-paced, this course will push you onwards and upwards to achieving your author goals. And so many people have done so well out of that boot camp. I know because I get the emails. So go to writerscentercomau slash time. That's writerscentercomau slash time. And you can get writing today. Well, Kimberly is a great person to end our young adult section on. She's, of course, had huge success, but she's also had to live off rejection for a long time. The important thing was that she kept learning, kept writing, kept submitting, and kept trying until she finally found success. And she did get there in the end. And that's all any of us can do. Keep writing and keep trying. And I wish you all of the success in the world. If you want some support on that journey to success, join a writing community that really gets it. Go to writerscentre.com.au and sign up to our weekly newsletter, which will have everything that you need. writercentre.com.au.